Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Charlie and we're two 20-somethings rereading our favourite childhood book with added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode we are... I really nearly said drinking chapter nine. (laughs) In today's episode we are reading chapter nine of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. So grab a glass and listen along on this drunken reminiscent journey. Hello. Hi. Hi. How you doing? Uh, I'm great. Ten minutes after we last spoke. Hannah's just fiddling with her coats. I j- I'm being attacked by my wall of coats. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do we normally say at the beginning? <laughs> nonsense. Absolute nonsense. Just trash. Trash fire. Hi, and welcome to another episode of this Trash Fire podcast. Why are We're you back? separated. Why do you, why do you keep had coming drinks. back? We... Why do you keep listening? Who fucking knows? And why do you keep signing up for Patreon? Why? Yeah, so, okay. Here's most of our intro. It's thanking new patrons. We have 23 new people to thank. So we're going to try and make it fun and try to make it fast. Fast and fun. Just a note before this. Thank you all so much for your support. It is actually mind-blowing and boggling that you would support these two nonsensical drunken women. Like, why? Yes, I I don't know why you do it. But thank you so much. This blows our mind. It means the fucking world. Yeah, like, we're so cynical all the time. And I don't think we often get genuine enough about how much your guys support and this isn't just for the patrons this is for everyone that listens to us who messages such kind of things i know it often takes us a while to get back or get round to things because we both work full-time jobs but we're constantly just blown away by your guys support to get sincere for a moment anyway anyway um ginormous thank you to jason who upgraded his patreon pledge a naughty size thank you to nicola a doom size thank you to daniel a booby size thank you to Becca. An astronomical size thank you to Amanda. A humongous thank you to Hayden, who has upgraded their pledge. An imagination size thank you to Imogen. A vagina size thank you to Valentina. A roaring good time size thank you to repressed memory Emily. A colossal size thank you to Carl, who has upgraded his pledge. A supersonic thank you to Sylvia. A Jennifer Coolidge size thank you to Jennifer. A Fiona from Shrek size thank you to Fiona. An Anna Winter size thank you to Anna. A gratuitously large thank you to Genevieve. An Aristotle size thank you to Ari. A mind boggling size thank you to Brookie Boney. A sophisticated size thank you to Sophie, who is a new producer level patron. A rather large thank you to Rachel. A Lucifer size thank you to Luigi. A juggernaut size thank you to Judith. A penis size thank you to Paige. And a Mario size thank you to Marthux. Marth X. I'm so glad we ended on one I don't know how to say. Thank you all Brilliant. so much for your support. I would like to let you know that today we have vlogged the day we've started doing a bit of behind the scenes vlogging to add on to patreon as well as our bonus episodes we've started to do a couple of vlogs which are really fun to do because if you guys don't know we both started out 
in this digital journey and how we met was uh, through YouTube back in the day. We both had YouTube channels. Please don't try to find them. So it's really fun to get back to vlogging for our patrons so they can kind of see you behind the scenes of our day. So we vlogged today. We vlogged our last recording session before Christmas. They're chaotic and they're really fun. So all the wonderful patrons get to see them and uh yeah they're up on our patreon we also have a review to say thank you for hannah yes so this says charlie plus hannah equals fun fest this is from abstract rainbow bubbles charlie your fanfic about Paige is so good i've listened to it three times and it always makes me laugh it's also the exact kind of thing that i would write by the way i love the differences in books that hannah picks up and thank you for being british I love that they have thanked us for this. That you're welcome. You're, you're welcome. welcome. We're glad we're brought on this shitty, shitty island. <laughs> <laughs> Makes our uh, accents cute. Well, that was a lot of things to do at the top of the year. Actually, we did that really quickly. I'm really impressed at us. I know, we're so skilled. We are. So, Charlie, what are we drinking today? Well, so we have this like you know really awkward thing now where we're recording separately so we're we're gonna do our best when we have a patron alcohol if we can to still drink the same thing but we were trying to think of like fun ways that we can kind of maybe drink separate things so that we don't have to keep buying the same alcohol twice because that's really expensive mm. and then we were talking about because this episode is the first episode where we get luna mentioned so i had the genius idea of us both to make luna themed drinks without discussing it and then see what each other creates <laughs> And I really love how you were like, I had the genius idea. I, did. I would like to say it was a, I would like to say it was a collaborative idea because no, I it said wasn't. we should make Luna Thief drinks and you said let's make them separately and reveal them to each no, other. No, that is not what happened. Yeah, it is. I said Luna Theme drinks. I don't think you did. Oh, I fucking did, and I will prove it to you. I oh no, 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 no. You said what is a lunar drink? You didn't say we should make lunar drinks. You that said what is a lunar drink? What is a lunar drink clearly means we should make lunar drinks. That clearly is what it means. It means that we should drink something lunarish. It doesn't mean we should make lunar drinks. I said so, oh oh oh. It's the introductive lunar. What is a lunar drink? A collaborative idea, but fine. <laughs> okay. But basically, I said uh, we're joking, we should guys. <laughs> make a drink that represents Luna and not tell each other. So that is what we've done, and it's in the vlog as well. Us trying to make these drinks. I had a mental breakdown. It did not go well. Um, I don't understand which, how it's a drink. I will explain when I tell you what mine is. But you first. What do you oh, make, Hannah? Mine looks like this. Oh, okay. So it doesn't have a name. It's called the Luna. It is two parts passion fruit gin liqueur because mm. uh, passion fruit is passionate and it's quirky same as <laughs> i love the level of bullshit this is like um oh my god what is this like oh my god i'm so good at bullshitting like? it's one of my skills i'm trying to think what is it that they always bullshit like reasons behind stuff in and it's like no just just say oh my god i'm completely blanking there i feel It'll like it's some kind you. of reality show or something where they're like oh the meaning behind this is blah 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 and yeah i like, know what you mean but i can't think but i'm very good at that <laughs> okay continue so it is two parts passion fruit gin liqueur one part elderflower gin because luna is also like a classic english girl like she lives in the english countryside elderflower is an english thing one part lemon juice and a drop of angostura bitters shaken over ice and then topped up with a little bit of tonic water 
That sounds very good. We went vaguely similar routes, but you went quite like metaphorical. I went very literal. Okay. Taste-wise, to talk about that, it is both sweet and sour, which is what I was aiming for. Because Luna is like a sweet, nice person, but she can also be like fierce. So I that, mm. this this is what I was actually aiming for. It's not the prettiest, but uh, it tastes good. I think it looks nice. Thank you. We'll actually put the kind of recipes, the list of what we made in the description if you guys want to make these made up drinks. Yes, Charlie, please. what did you make? Oh my God, I would love to see people recreate this. <gasps> yes, oh my God. If you guys recreate this at home, please, 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 please send us pictures on Instagram. Please do. We would love that. So mine is, I feel like I'm on MasterChef. You know, when they <laughs> like get all the ingredients and they have to make something and then they present it and they're like, this is blah, 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 blah. And they make it sound really fancy. Yes. So mine is a, <laughs> I, I, I'm very aware that I just said it sounds fancy and then the first thing out of my mouth is going to be the least fancy thing ever. It gets fancier. So it is a mythical unicorn gin, which is a pink and sparkly gin. And I thought as it was mythical and unicorn, that seemed very, very lunar, as well as the fact it was all sparkly with a aromatic tonic, because I thought that that Ooh. was quite like, I don't know, Hippy dippy, a bit exotic, quite yeah. lunarish. Shaken over ice with uh, plum juice and slices of plum because dirigible, dirigible plums. plums. And then topped with a garnish of radish because of her earrings. Where the fuck in the other loving fucking God did you get a radish? From Sainsbury's. Oh, and it's also in the closest thing I had to a teacup to try and represent when her father makes them tea. Um, I'm also going to text Hannah a photo of it because the webcam won't do it justice. Oh my God, I'm so jealous you made yours look pretty. It doesn't look pretty. <laughs> it's literally in my like latte cup. No, it looks so cool. Mine just looks like a wine glass. That's really Mine cool. Mine literally has slices of plumbing. Thing is... Why did I... you have a breakdown? I went through like five or six plums. What? Not plums, radishes. I went through like two plums, but then the radishes, I just, the first one I was slicing wrong. And then the second, I tried to put it on the side of the cup like I did, only I accidentally split it in half because I didn't know my own strength. Um, And then I tried again and it worked. And then I tried to slice another one. And then uh, I don't know, it just all went wrong. I went through a lot of radishes. There was a big mess. I dropped ice everywhere at one point. I would have, A, never thought to buy radishes, but B, more importantly, I couldn't have bought radishes around here because Charlie lives in an area 10 times posher than me. (laughs) I was in Sainsbury's. That's not... But also, I've not tasted this and it could be disgusting, so I'm going to taste it. Oh no, she's making a face. It's not bad. It's just a lot of different flavours that shouldn't... Not shouldn't be combined, but just that conflict with each other. It's nice. I feel like I should have used, like a sweeter tonic i feel like it's the tonic flavor that is like the odd one out but the rest of it is like blends well so it's not not nice but it's just that the tonic seems odd with the other quite sweet flavorings but yes i i we will post photos of these and they're also on our vlog on patreon if you would like to see them so uh yeah we're drinking luna lovegood themed drinks so let's get into chapter nine the woes of mrs weasley so harry tells mr weasley that he's been found innocent because dumbledore was a twat and just didn't tell him yeah he just like dumbledore yeeted himself out of there so hard that he didn't even tell mr weasley what happened which is like so meaning you like just know that mr weasley probably like tried to say hello and like start a conversation and mr 
Mr. Dumbledore? Mr. Dumbledore. Dumbledore literally just like flounced past. I'm like, okay, I get why you're being a dick to Harry. I don't think you should be, but like, I get it. But like, don't bring that shit to Mr. Weasley. He's bringing a dick to everyone. So when they're then leaving the courtrooms, they run into Lucius Malfoy talking to Fudge. So apparently Lucius is just around to walk, allowed to walk willy-nilly around the ministry, which at first I was like, that's not okay. But then I was like, actually, that sounds about right for really rich, privileged people. You know those people who are in like the upper echelons of society who are just allowed access into things they have no reason to have access to? Dominic Cummings. Well, he actually has a position, but yes. (laughs) I mean... I put that position in air quotes. Yeah. But anyway, so Lucius Malfoy is like, well, well, well. And can (laughs) I just say that he should have been arrested right now on the spot because not a single not evil person has ever said, well, well, well. Well, well, well. Like, if you say, well, 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 you're clearly up to no good. There is no (laughs) such thing as a wholesome, well, well, well. Like, come on. And just in front of Fudge. And then he's like, Patronus Potter. He's like, well, 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 Patronus Potter. And we can see where Draco gets his absolutely shit insults from. Like, yeah. shit. Like, is this supposed to be insulting? It's literally impressive that he can do a Patronus, but this also, like, shows that clearly, like, either Fudge has just immediately, in, like, not very long, filled him in on the fact what happened in the courthouse, or Lucius was listening in in some other way because he knew about the Patronus. Yeah, it's just... (laughs) just makes my blood boil. And Harry very sensibly points out that, hello, this is really dangerous because Lucius is a confirmed Death Eater having meetings with Fudge, and Mr. Weezy is like, kid, we're on it. We got this. You done good, but we're, we're on this. So they then walk back through the atrium, And on second inspection of the fountain, Harry now sees it in a different light. He sees the fakeness of everyone's expressions, the simpering, I think he calls it like servitude of everyone looking at the wizard. And I keep coming back to this fountain. I fucking love the metaphors around this fountain. I'm sorry, guys. And I felt like when he first walked past it, he felt like he might be kicked out of the wizarding world. So he was kind of like, wow, this statue and didn't really see it for what it was and on this second walk back now he's sure he's staying in the wisdom world he's more critical about what the statue actually is and what it represents and the fact that it's fake and not real and not representative of the magical world and then he donates all the money he has on him into the fountain because the fountain is thing that collects money for uh, St Mungo's and this is honestly one of the few times that we see Harry really think about people other than himself like we joke a lot about Harry being selfish and in terms of money Harry isn't selfish he really does want to give people like the Weasleys money and he just knows it will offend them so he does it in other ways he helps run out where he can he gives he gives the twins gold which will benefit the whole family but I think this trial really makes him reflect and go like do you know what like although I got off I am privileged and I need to give something back. And it's a really sweet, mature moment from him. It is. But I also like feel bad for Mr. Weasley just stood there watching Harry just dump all his money. <laughs> Probably dump like a couple of months of Mr. Weasley's earnings just into this fucking well. And Mr. Weasley's like, cool, yeah, could have fed my family with that. Cool. <laughs> yeah, it really shows Harry's privilege. Because like, yeah. I know but he's also, giving like, it to charity, but... But also, like, Harry has said on multiple occasions he would give the Weasleys money if he could. Yeah. But does he actually ever try an offer? He's like, oh, uh, it's such a shame. I can't give them money. Bitch, have you tried? 
Like I, I actually think he always says he would try, but he can't. But we never, and maybe it's just one of those things that isn't written into the books, but I would have liked to see it. Why isn't he buying the Weasleys nice presents for their birthdays and for Christmases and stuff? Like, I assume it's just the kind of thing that's missed out. But if you don't feel you can give them money, give yeah. them really thoughtful, nice gifts. Like, give and, them other things. Yeah, and I know that he can't just be like, yo, you're poor, here's some money. But he definitely <laughs> could be like, hey, I come stay with you for several weeks every summer. Can I please give you some money towards, like, food and bills and stuff for the time that I'm here? Like, because... yeah even if they weren't poor he should still be doing that because like how much must it cost them every summer to feed him or what i would have really liked to see and this would have been one of those slightly awkward moments but i think harry could have got away with it in the next chapter i think it is or later in this chapter when ron asks his mum for the broomstick and she looks worried because she's like oh shit broomsticks are expensive but i've promised Mm. him a treat i really feel like harry should have run after her and said i i want to give you the money for this broomstick like you're giving Ron the treat. It's not from me, but I want to give you the money for this. Yeah. I don't know. So, she would have rejected it, but I don't know. Anyway, anyway. But Harry yeah. is doing, a, at the end of the day, Harry is doing a nice thing. And I think we are seeing growth from yeah, him. I agree. Yeah. So they get back and everyone is really happy that Harry got off. Aside from Sirius, who is being a little bitch. Yeah. Um, Sirius like acts good at first. And then over the next few days, he withdraws, which like... I do understand, but Sirius, you're a grown adult and Harry is a child. You have to be more mature yeah. than this. But I think, like, he is stunted. Like, he... He is stunted. He didn't experience most of his grown-up years. Like, it's not an excuse, it's a reason. Um, but yeah, he's just being a little bitch about it. And Harry can, like, kind of clearly tell that, like, deep down he'd actually been hoping that yeah. Harry wouldn't get off, which is icky yeah it is and yeah i think i think the book really do the books really do display for us that Sirius is stunted compared to the other adults like lupin is so mature and thinks through every decision whereas Sirius is so like reactive and Sirius does still have those teenage tendencies and i think it is because the amount of time he spent in azkaban yeah so on the last day before they go back to hogwarts the letters saying they're going back to hogwarts tomorrow with their book list finally arrived and this is really unfair to working parents. Like, I know the book list arrives late for a reason because they were sorting out the Defence Against the Dark Arts teacher. And clearly, Dumbledore couldn't find anyone until the last day. And on the last day, the ministry stepped in and said, you haven't found anyone, so I'm appointing someone. Which meant they couldn't send the book list. But it's still just so unfair for working parents. Like, they've now got one day to get these books. They don't have Amazon. They can't fucking order them online. And the kids yeah. get told off if they turn up with the wrong fucking equipment. But it also just seems like it didn't need to be this way. They could have just sent the book list out without Defence Against the Dark Arts books and then just done like a mail order service to Hogwarts. I know. Like, that's bonkers. Yeah, it it is bonkers that now all the parents have to go to Diagon Alley on the same day to get everything the kids need. And yeah, what if they're and working? Like, what if they have a job? What if it's a single parent? Or like, what if like the bookshop only had like three of them in stock? Like, surely it makes more sense to like do a Hogwarts do like a bulk order to say, okay, there's like sixty students this year taking you know that class needing this book, so we'll order it all to Hogwarts, and then the students pay Hogwarts back. Surely yeah no that does make more sense just this whole like book list arrival thing i'm just like no 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 (laughs) makes no Um, sense so as they're chatting with the book list ron opens his prefect letter 
Mm-hmm. The twins are shocked. And Ron is also shocked and passes the badge to Harry to inspect. And at that moment, Hermione runs in the room. And then, so she assumes that Harry is the prefect because Harry's holding the badge. And then when Harry's like, no, no, it's Ron, Hermione, in such a moment. I know Hermione is a tactless person. Like, there is so much evidence of this in the book that she really doesn't think before she opens her mouth. But she says, Ron... But are you sure? It's so mean. But everyone always says Ron is the dickhead. Ron is the dickhead. Like Hermione's so good. No, she isn't. Like, I know this was an accidental slip, but my God, it's such a horrible thing to say. And you just wouldn't think that way. You wouldn't be like, oh, are you sure? Like, that's that's just so careless and mean and and like so careless Ron's Ron's kind of a bit snippy back and you're like damn right like he's literally just had the twins and then Hermione be like shocked that it's him like he does things he can do things I'm gonna swing back to this a few times in this book especially at the end of the book which is one of my least favorite moments in all of Harry Potter when Dumbledore says that he should have made Harry the prefect but Mm. we'll get there But in this moment, I honestly don't know why everyone thinks that Harry would have made a good prefect. We have never seen any evidence of him giving a flying fuck for the rules. He doesn't really help anyone else. It's not like he helps younger students. It's not like he's smart and teaches anyone else. It's not like he takes charge. It's just because he's famous and he's done some cool shit. But all that cool shit broke rules at the end of the day. And a prefect is not about doing cool shit. It's about being an example to the other students. But like, Out of the like, five Gryffindor boys, none of them stand out to me as deserving it. So therefore, Ron deserves it just as much as the rest of them. And I think Dumbledore is noticing some of the latent leadership qualities that Ron has. Like we know in moments when Harry doesn't take leadership or when Ron's brothers don't take leadership, Ron does step up. And we see so much evidence of this in later book seven and in some points in book five. And I think Dumbledore sees this in Ron and knows this. And I like to think, apart from the fucking thing at the end of the book, that Dumbledore is giving this to Ron because of that trait. And he wants to encourage that in Ron. I disagree. I I think the only reason behind this is just sloppy writing from J.K. Rowling's part. I think that we see Ron obviously break the rules like just as much as Harry. He does it every single time as well. I think that if you have these two like troublemaking students that like break the rules a lot, obviously they have done good things, but at the end they still break rules. And a lot of the time when they break rules, it's not always to like save the day. Sometimes they just break rules. You have like Seamus and Dean and Neville and stuff like what... you know we barely know much about them but definitely like Seamus or like Dean could have been at the end of the day Dean deserved to no Dean deserved to be prefect I think Seamus breaks the rules a bit more and answers back to teachers yeah Dean is a mod like as far as we know is a pretty good student keeps his head down does nice things for people like draws pictures like give Dean the fucking prefect exactly like I I feel like JK Rowling's thought process was well, if it's not Harry, it's got to be Ron for getting those other students. And then also, I think she wanted to do it for this moment of like... Oh, she did. Like, so I, I just feel like it's sloppy writing. I do think probably Dean deserved it more and possibly even Seamus. Maybe not Neville, because I don't think Neville... My radish has right fallen in. I've got to rescue no. the radish. Drink the radish. No. Drink the... Anyway, but my hot take about Harry Potter is I truly believe that Ron in some ways does deserve to be prefect because Ron doesn't take charge until he's forced to and being a prefect forces him to this is like taking out the fact that other the other boys deserve it more 
And I also think that Ron, in some ways, in some elements, is more compassionate about other people's things than Harry. Not in all ways, but he sometimes sees things that Harry doesn't. Like, I can imagine Ron sticking up for younger pupils who are being bullied and, like, he offsets Hermione's, like, goody two-shoes prefect well as well. And I honestly think Ron deserves to be prefect and we will get to it at the end of the book, the moment when Dumbledore says that Harry should have made Harry prefect because it makes me want to tear my own eyes out. Yeah, I do think it's good for his character development. Mrs. Weasley comes in and the twins tell her and she's like, oh good, that's everyone in the family. family. This is one of my favourite moments in all the books. It's so mean. Who are we? Next door neighbours. It's so mean. It's so horrible. It's something my mum would do. It's something my mum would do. That's the thing. honestly one of my favorite moments in all the books <laughs> yeah mrs weasley then says that ron needs a reward for coming a prefect and personally just personally the way i was raised i find this a bit weird so my parents were very very against the whole thing where i don't know if this is the thing where you were but a lot of people in my area in my school their parents gave them money dependent on the grade they got in exam season So they were like, for every A you get, you get £50. If you get a B, it's 25, Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And so many people we knew do this. And my parents were like vehemently against that. They were like, you should want to pass your exams for your own thing. Like, it's not a fucking money-based thing. And like, I know a gift for becoming a prefect is different from that. But I feel like the party she throws is enough. And it's mostly because she's had so many kids. But the kids now like expect a gift for becoming a prefect. And I find that a little bit gross because you should want to become a prefect for its own reasoning. Like there's nothing wrong with getting a gift to celebrate it. But the way it's because she has so many kids it now is, is like, I must have a monetary value for doing this thing. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. I think it's nice because... Ron never gets a treat and he never gets anything yeah. of his own. So I think it's like really, really nice. And and I think it's a really good thing to reward like good achievements. And it's not like she said, oh, if you get prefect, I will get you this. She yeah. said like, oh, you have done this, so I will get you this. And I think even if she had said, if you get prefect, I will get you this. Younger people are more prone to wanting immediate gratification than whatever it's called, like long-term gratification. So yeah. I kind of do see the merits in trying to encourage like younger people with that immediate gratification for their kind of like long term good that they won't be considering. I agree about like the whole like rewarding different monetary amounts for like grades is just really icky. My parents It's really icky. Didn't do that. My parents were all very like always about like it's not the grade you get, it's how much effort you put in. Like Yeah, a hundred percent. And like I got taken out to dinner when I finished my exam season and when I got my grades because like congratulations, you've but it was wasn't based on the grades I got it was based on the fact like you worked hard to do these exams and even if you came out with eight d's you worked hard yeah therefore let's all go out to dinner like yeah it's it's attaching monetary value to the grades which is kind of icky so this is different I just think it's difficult on Mrs. Weezy because she has so many kids. She's set a precedent which she's now stuck with. It's not like they're really spoiled kids. This is the one thing no. they ever get. So No, I know. And it, and it is it is really sweet that he like wants the broom and like it 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 is a really really sweet moment. I just I also just find it a little bit sad that 
Fred and George never wanted to become prefects. So it's not something they want, but the achievements they have got, and she does end up realising them in the next book, but she doesn't see their achievements as as valuable as this achievement, even though mm. they are just in a different sense. And I find that quite sad, but that's part of Mrs. Weasley's growth that we see in book six. So, you know, like character yeah. growth. <laughs> and I think it's like, it's very accurate. There's a lot of parents that don't put as much value into vocational or creative subjects in school and yeah. instead only care about the academic ones. So... I think it's quite like yeah. a real moment to have mrs weasley not value the skills that the weasley twins have just because they don't necessarily relate to like exam grades so hermione then asked to borrow hedwig as and i quote prefect is something her parents can understand which i think is one of the most telling lines when we're trying to analyze hermione and her parents and the relationship to them because it implies that there's a lot that hermione tells them and tries to explain to them that they don't understand and i think from the context of the way she says the sentence there's a lot of frustration in that and this might be the reason that she came to Grimmauld Place early and she's not seeing them as much this year because she feels a lot of frustration and maybe they feel a lot of frustration that they're not understanding what she's doing or saying. Yeah. I don't know. I just find that line quite interesting. Yeah, I agree. Were you a prefect? <laughs> yes, I of was. Of course you were. I would have put but, money on that. <laughs> but... Our school kind of messed up our year and made everyone that applied to be prefects prefects. So it really didn't count. So the thing that counted was your house leadership team, which was two people from each house were the leaders. They were really what you'd call the prefects in Harry Potter. And what really annoyed me was we didn't have a proper form tutor in our house and no one told us we could apply for it. And I didn't realise I could have applied for it until the assembly where people made their presentations. And every other house had 10 people apply. And we only had two because no one told us about it. And at the end of the assembly, the, one of the main teachers came up to me and they were like, Hannah, why didn't you apply? Like, I thought it should have been you. And I was like, I didn't know until this moment. And now it's too late. Someone else has been appointed. And I'm still pretty salty about that. <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me of um so for our prom they did like an awards you know like most likely to whatever blah 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 oh yeah yeah, yeah and yeah. they only told and I, I think we must have had around like 10 different forms they only told three of them and gave three of them the opportunity to not any intentional thing they just like some kind of like they just forgot or something yeah to, so like just, that's what happened it was just miscommunication yeah so like only these three forms and they were like really random forms as well got to vote which meant that like come prom like the people that were voted were like so random like so random because it was just like essentially a few different friendship groups because it was only three forms <sighs> that so it was all just people from the same friendship groups and it would be like you know like class clown or whatever you know the funniest person in the year literally just some random person that everyone was like who because like one of my friends dan was like everyone was like oh it's gonna be dan dan is hilarious like the entire year knows that dan is fucking hysterical yeah. and then it was literally just some random person because none of the forms actually <laughs> it was so weird yeah it just it really annoyed me. so neil was one of the house reps and he loved it <laughs> and he is still like oh this guy who was in year seven when i was house rep is now doing this i'm like god you actually cared about being house rep like neil cared about it he knows what some of the year sevens so who were 11 at the time he was house rep are now doing? Like, That's insane. He actually was a good house rep. So were you a prefect? No. God, no. I don't know what prefects had to do in your school. But in ours, it we was We had all... to uh, mind, mind the lunch lines. I had to mind the lunch lines. So yeah, in my school, um, prefects were literally just 
bitch workers like you had to give up like your breaks and your lunch breaks to literally just like do like hall monitor duties and stuff like that Mm -hmm. and it was that thing where it's like you can put it on your UCAS application and it's gonna be good for you but like I knew that I wasn't exactly gonna be applying to like Oxbridge so I was like it's just not worth it it's literally giving up all of your breaks and lunch breaks like why on earth would I do that so I didn't do it but then later on Um, when I was in university so we had um, course representatives and we also had oh my god I never volunteered to be a course rep I was so done by university I was like no (laughs) yeah so we had that and then we had I can't remember what the word for it was but it was like another position as well where you actually then helped like interview people for the course that were like applying I would have loved that yeah I did both of those it was like university when I decided to become like the teacher's pet (laughs) oh no it was university where I decided I didn't want to do shit like that in school I was like I'll find up to everything see in university I could like actually see the merit in it because I was like really thinking about my career and what I wanted to do after so I was like anything I can do I know is actually going to benefit my career whereas in high school I was like I am not going to be applying to the kind of like your Oxbridge where you do have to tick every single box so like yeah why try I was like so long as I like I get the grades and like I knew that I did have some like extracurriculars so I didn't need like everything anyway from that long tangent everyone leaves the room And Harry is left alone to think. And it's actually a really interesting moment because we don't often get very introspective Harry. And I like it when we do. So he's upset. He knows he's upset. And when he tries to think truthfully, he thinks he deserves this more than Ron. So then he goes deeper and tries to analyse why. And I'm like, actually, Harry, you're doing a good thing right now. You are trying to analyse yourself. You are trying to work out why you're having these feelings. You are being quite mature. Because it's okay he feels upset. Like... It is okay he feels that way. I don't know, like... uh, We shouldn't blame Harry. Yeah, I feel like in in very much in two minds about this, like, there's the one side of me that's like... So there's a one side of me that supports it because I'm like, I've had times like this as well where I've been irrationally upset about things and I do have to sit myself down and think through why I'm feeling a certain way. And usually it's like, it's for, like, a different reason, like, a different but related reason. And it's kind of, you confuse your emotions and things like that. And, and like, I really respect that Harry actually sits himself down and works through it and then is really, really happy for Ron when he comes back. And yeah. I think that's really admirable. I think, like, the part where, like, it, it does slightly annoy me is the part when Harry's, like, he basically is admits to himself that, like, he hadn't thought about it. And I'm like... I don't feel like you have the right to be upset if you had not thought about it. Like, I would yes. understand if he'd been, like, thinking about it and, like, oh, like, I think it's going to be me. I hope it's going to be me and then was disappointed. But it's the fact that he literally did not care enough to put any thought into it and then suddenly gets all butthurt that I'm like, that's annoying. But at least he does the right thing and he handles it well, which is rare for him. And I think, you know, we were just saying about the charity donation that it, it shows kind of character development. And I, yeah. I I feel like this is like the second bit that we really get um, in this section of the book that shows us like Harry growing up a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I actually wrote later in the chapter that I think that I'll I'll come to it when I get it. But Harry actually doesn't care about being a prefect. He cares about... It's actually 
a worse reflection on him because he cares more about his status to do with Ron. He is used to being better than Ron. So he is upset because for once he isn't. So he has to psychoanalyze himself. And for one horrible second, he laughs at the idea of Ron being prefect and then feels sick and disgusted with himself. And I think this is a really great moment for him. I really love this moment because I think it's really honest. Like, I think a lot of books treat their main character as perfect in a lot of ways. And I really like this moment of Harry thinking this horrible thing because at the end of the day we do all think these horrible things even about the people we love like we have these moments of being thinking these like disgusting horrible things and then going wait no that thought was was horrible and I know it was horrible I really want to be now like no we don't Hannah Hannah this is just you what the fuck Hannah (laughs) (laughs) what do you think about me Hannah (laughs) oh my god I would love to know what you think about me but also I wouldn't because I would never ever cope with that what so never me, tell Charlie? me what do you what do you think about me what do you think about I, me what do you think i'm about very me? What do you think public about, about the fact that i just fucking hate you yeah so no, you I know yeah we have no charlie's so funny she's so horrible to me says she hates me all the time but if i ever text her so she's like we were talking about going on a walk because we are technically allowed to do that in these rules we're trying to plan it out in the safest way possible so if you see that on social media that's what's going on and i was like ew no i hate you and then a couple i'll, I'll do things like that and then she'll text me like you can't say that because i get upset i'm like it's not fair for you to do it to me than me not to be able to do it I'm to you never, I'm, I'm never serious though i'm never like oh hannah you've actually upset me saying that i just like <laughs> like to take the piss because i genuinely think that everyone hates me so if hannah makes a joke about like oh i hate you i'm like no no hannah i will take that seriously <laughs> me like i can't do that because i hate you and i'm like oh bitch please <laughs> look i can i can give i just can't take can't take <laughs> that's harry mm-hmm. yeah he really maturely realizes and this is my favorite moment he realizes he isn't fully over this he doesn't fully think like oh you know i don't want to be prefect but he thinks i don't want to ruin this for ron yeah. I need to be happy for Ron because I'm his friend. And I'm like, yes. Yes, Harry. Look at the maturity radiating off you. You well done. Because like to be honest, I was a probably an internally bitchy person at like 15. Like this is a hard thing oh, to I do at 15. I, yeah. I'm still an internally bitchy person. You know this. <laughs> no, but I have real problems especially with comparing myself to others. It is one of my worst personality traits. Yeah, like so you, like I totally relate always, to Harry in this moment. Yeah, you always do this and I have to like remind you like don't do that. Like No, it's it's one of my worst personality traits. It's just inbuilt in me and I hate it about myself. Yeah, I hate but, it. I do it as well like me and Hannah are like two people that are doing like very well in our careers for our ages and both me and Hannah will just have conversations where it's like I don't feel like I'm doing well enough and then like <laughs> we're both we both have to slap each other out of it <laughs> yeah the problem is a lot that we compare ourselves to each other but actually I'm relatively healthy with doing that I've got to a point with you because we do such similar things that instead of comparing myself in a negative way when I compare our careers I find you this is gonna get cheesy you inspire me in a lot of ways because sometimes I have shut up because sometimes I obviously have a lot of imposter syndrome and like everything to do with like position raises and like money raises i'm like oh you know i shouldn't be pushing this hard you know but I'm... you're like charlie is really th- incompetent and charlie's done this <laughs> so <laughs> no i look at charlie and i'm like bitch she's doing it 
bitch, you can do it. Like, Charlie inspires me in a lot of ways. And I hope in some ways I inspire her. She's about to say no. No, I no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you do. Like, no, I completely do the same thing where, and I think it's, it's helpful because we do such similar things and I'm like, and we have the same conversation. So when I'm freaking out about something and if it's like imposter syndrome or something, I can imagine not even imagine I can refer back to a time when we've had the exact conversation the other, other way, way around, around. Yeah, yeah. and how I feel when you say those things about yourself where I'm just like well that's just not true and then I yeah. can apply that to myself if yeah. that makes any sense but you're one of the rare people I don't negatively compare myself to and um I'm trying to work on that working on yourself is a constant growth people you just gotta it's a difficult process I compare myself I, negatively to people I just don't work on myself because I'm perfect and <laughs> where people might think I have flaws the flaw is actually with them and they actually need to adapt themselves I think Charlie's main problem is narcissism <laughs> what no <laughs> so mrs weasley yeah mm-hmm. she has gone shopping bitch has gone shopping for every child in her family so that's one two three four children harry and hermione and organized a party someone give this woman more credit please yeah she is an absolute queen although i like to think that mr weasley helped out with the party planning he i just feel work. No, he was at work. He arrived after the party started. You can plan a party from work, Hannah. <laughs> you can do many things from work. Shh, shh, anyone from my work list. <laughs> but yeah, I like to think he was like making streamers at his desk and yeah. I'm actually really sad that Hermione's parents can't be there for her. Like she's celebrating with people who are not her family. It makes me sad. Yeah, that that would be a hard one to explain though, taking them to Grimald Place. <laughs> Hello, welcome to this mouldy kitchen where I've come for all of summer. Moody is there and confirms that it is a boggart in the drawing room, which raises the huge question of what is Moody seeing when he looks at the boggart through all the things? Because the boggart only changes... When it is in your sight. So what is Moody seeing? I know. It's fascinating and we shall never know. Harry is eavesdropping on conversations as Harry does because he is incapable of ever actually joining a motherfucking conversation. (laughs) And he learns that neither James or Sirius was a prefect, which we know from book one that James was head boy. And my God, it does not make sense for someone who was not prefect to be head boy. In my head, you have to be one to yeah. be the other. You can't skip a stage. Yeah, it's that not fair. That doesn't make any sense. Any sense. Any sense. No, yeah, James Harry did not just, deserve to be head boy. Yeah, Harry just has massive daddy issues. The fact that he's like, well, if my dad wasn't. Dude, Harry's come on. unresolved daddy issues are so bad. Yeah, when he's like, I feel happy now. I love everyone at this party more because my dad wasn't a prefect. Yeah, and I literally so wrote, like, weird. Harry doesn't understand the reason why he wants to be a prefect. And it's kind of toxic. Like, because he is happy that James wasn't a prefect, Harry doesn't know why he wants to be. Like, that's not a good thing, Harry. Yeah. Psychoanalyze yourself more. So Ron is bragging that his broom has <laughs> built-in vibration control. Uh, my note is that it sounds like something I would happily put between my legs. So, you know, predictable joke. Moody says that he has something that might interest Harry and he shows him a photo of the original Order of the Phoenix and how they're all dead. Dead. He's like, this person, 
dead. This person, dead. This person, this person they're dead. blown to bits. He's literally like, oh, we only found pieces of him. This and person, like, we've never found their body. Their parents don't know where they are. But the thing is, when he references the person that was blown to bits, like, this raises the question. If there is a spell that can blow people to bits, why isn't it in- unforgivable? Why are there only three unforg- unforgivable questions? Courses. I've I've broken. (laughs) Broken. I just glitched. Moody's like, this will be interesting. I'm like, this is not interesting. (laughs) Do we think that Mad Eye Moody is autistic? A little bit. Because, to be fair, it is interesting to someone who does not have ties to that many people in the picture. But Harry does. (laughs) I don't know. Like, I. I, th- I feel like we could get like autistic vibes of like moody no completely... he does he's very insensitive to other people's feelings not saying that all autistic people but he's very i shouldn't have said he, insensitive. He... sorry no no he's no, very like... he's not in tune with what other people may react yeah, to what he's he says. not he's not at all perceiving harry's reaction because you think fair enough like he might have i think there's quite a massive misjudgment to make that he would think that it was interesting but fair enough if you made that misjudgment but the minute you started showing it you would pick up on his reaction but yeah mad eye doesn't and i and i think like there's a lot about my Mad Eye's character that we kind of we don't see a lot of it, obviously, because a lot of what we I, do I, see is the imposter. I was ab- yeah, I was about to say from evidence in book four, then I was like, it wasn't Mad Eye, Hannah. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Like maybe, like no, I see maybe that. there's kind of a you know head there that like Mad Eye Moody is autistic. Like it would be good to see more representation in the books of like neurodivergent people. Yeah, especially as in other ways he is so much more. Um, cognizant of what is going on around him in certain ways which also aligns with that so yeah and like his entire like personality is just catching dark wizards like he yeah, is he's... obsessive about it like yeah yeah that would be a really interesting interpretation so this is where we get half a line that Dumbledore has a brother this is the first time we are hearing of this called mm-hmm. Aberforth that's it nothing about the goats so far we'll get to the goats <laughs> Harry is upset about the picture and just walks off, which at this point Moody does pick up on his emotions because Harry suspects his eye has followed him all the way Mm. up the room. So he then walks off to bed because he's kind of done with this party. Yeah, I have a really random question here. Something I was thinking about kind of with this photo is where was the the original Order of the Phoenix headquarters? We don't know, Mm. but it's just interesting because there must have been one. I like to think if Aberforth was there, quite involved, it was the Hog's Head. That would be cool. That would be cool. I th- it, it, I Good do think question. It, I, I genuinely have this headcanon that the Order of the Phoenix just drink loads, so I feel like it being in a pub works well. I either think it was the Hog's Head or Dumbledore's house, which we've never heard about. Yeah, I think the only thing like going against the Hog's Head is the bit then in this book when i can't remember who is it that tells them but that that basically says like if you want wanted to have a secretive meeting you should have done it in the busy leaky cauldron not in the hogshead that's quiet well i feel like they would have gone to the hogshead when it's closed but yes that is a good point i feel like that would have come up but then going Mm. to a pub when it's closed is like a bit eyebrow raisy and also like they need to be able to like meet surely in like maybe 
do you know what would be good from a hiding perspective swapping houses each time and going to a different member's house each time like you're in a circle society like my grandparents used to be in so i spent christmas looking at a lot of photos of my grandparents because i I sleep in the room where my mama stored all the photos of them but they used to be in basically what is called a circle club where they would meet up socially with people in the village like every month but you would go to a different person's house every month for a different social event and that that and that is now my head cannon. This sounds a lot like swinging. It's not swinging. It was socializing. I think that means swinging. No, I'm no. Just no. Saying no. If I were to be writing a diary no. or on photos, um, that I knew that my future family might one day read, and I was going swinging, I would definitely just refer to it as socializing. Anyway, that's my head cannon. Charlie can fuck the fucking fuck off. <laughs> so Harry, as he's walking off to bed, he is crying from the drawing room. He opens the door to see Mrs. Weasley sobbing and a dead Ron on the floor. And I really like the description of this moment of Harry's bodily reaction to dead Ron before his brain catches up to him. Like, I think we get quite a lot of evidence in this chapter of how much Harry loves Ron. Like, yeah, he loves Ron. <laughs> like, he is his best friend. He means the world to him. And like Harry's bodily reaction, he's like... The floor felt like it was falling through, like everything like that. And then his brain is like, no, wait, Ron's downstairs. Shut up. (laughs) Mrs. Weezy keeps trying to get rid of the boggart, but it keeps switching between everyone in the family dead, including Harry. Which is adorable. Tragic, but adorable. I know. Tragic, but adorable. Lupin, Sirius and Moody then enter the room and Molly completely breaks down. She completely loses it. She's terrified that members of her family will die, which is a fair fear because it is never actually confirmed in the text. It is only confirmed in text outside of Harry Potter. But Gideon and Fabian Pruitt, who were mentioned in that photograph of Moody's, were Molly's two brothers. She had two brothers and they both died. So of course she thinks that her own children are now going to die. Yeah, like everyone's very... The thing is, like, it's not in the text that Molly is in any way judged. It's not. But it does annoy me that, like, the only character we see having this kind of freak out is a woman. Because I'm like, I'm sorry, but, like, everyone would be feeling this way. Yeah, they're in so much danger. Like, I guess Harry is kind of having his own version of a freak out, but, like, don't get me started on the fact that J.K. Rowling never lets Harry cry. But, like, let Harry cry. Like, this would have worked now to let Harry join in the freak out or even have literally any other, like, male character, like, freaking out about the amount of people that, like, could or have died, like... I, don't I would know. love my- to see Mr. Weasley breaking down. Yeah. I would love to see it. I don't it. know, but my petition is like, this is perfect timing. Harry's just seen that photo now. He's he's walked into a room and has seen like all of the Weasleys dead. He knows it's not real, but I definitely think that this could have been like a triggering moment and we could have had Harry actually break down crying because it really pisses me off that we never see him cry. Yeah. So Lupin, when he's comforting Mrs. Weasley, says that last time... The order were outnumbered 20 to 1. Now, we know from the photo that was just shown by Moody that the order was at least 20 to 30 people. That is a fucking lot of Death Eaters compared to the graveyard, which was meant to be all the Death Eaters, bar the ones dead or in Azkaban, and there weren't that many gaps. Yeah, it makes no sense. J.K. Rowling can't count. And again, it doesn't make any sense with, like, the population figures. 
No. So then Harry goes to bed thinking that maybe all his previous troubles about bringing a prefect are small in comparison to the war. And yes, Harry, you are right. Well done. It shouldn't have taken him that long, but it did. So we're actually going to call it a day there. We've talked for quite a bit about this chapter, so we will do the next chapter next episode. We are going to have to start yeah. splitting it more and more as we kind of get into the chonky books. Um, but this yeah. is a good Chonky thing. chapters. We hope you guys don't mind. If you guys have any opinions about us splitting chapters, tweet us, but... We think it's a good thing because it means that the podcast gets to last longer. Yes. So we have a question from one of our $10 tier patrons and they ask, I really enjoy trying out sweets from various countries. I'm a German potato. So my question is, what are your favourite sweets from England? Maybe I will order some to try them out from Ella. What a lovely question, Ella. Love that question. Ooh, my favourite sweets. Now, British sweets. I want to go full British. You need to try a Freddo. (laughs) <laughs> if you can afford one <laughs> so freddo's have this connotation in england of uh inflation rates <laughs> yeah because basically Everyone back like, in the when day i was a kid <laughs> yeah how much were they like 5p or something okay when our parents were kids they were 5p i remember them being 10p very clearly and they now- are now 25 pence yeah which is apparently just inflation but basically everyone just now has this running joke about like freddo's costing millions yeah it's it is this running joke but they are good they're basically a chocolate frog they're a frog made a chocolate fuck off a freddo is a chocolate frog fuck off my brain has actually just imploded freddo's a cannon in harry potter what i was literally about to say it's a frog made of chocolate and then i was like "Ah." it's a standing frog it's like a flat standing frog but that is J.K. Rowling got the idea of a fucking Freddo. That is so much less magical. (laughs) So we're having a breakdown. (laughs) Okay, English sweets. I don't like them, so I don't know why I'm telling you about them. But the classical... Okay, I'm telling you about them because my grandparents used to have them in the glove compartment for car journeys. Werther's Originals. Yeah, they're just... They're such an old lady sweet. Oh, they are. Always in the glove compartment. I personally love a dib-dab. Oh, there's so much effort, though. I like it. I like the process. If anyone okay. that doesn't know, a dib-dab is a lolly that comes with a packet of sherbet, and then you lick the lolly, stick it in the sherbet, lick the sherbet off, stick it in the sherbet, continue. It's fun. <laughs> the uh, sexual connotations Charlie, I've just realised, this means the way we've structured this episode is we've drunk a motherfucking Luna Lovegood drink when we didn't oh, no! get introduced. <laughs> if that isn't the most goblet we of wine thing... Know- how to podcast we literally gone to the all this effort all this effort incredible incredible we're just (laughs) iconic it's fine we move we're not professional (laughs) podcasters my favorite sweet has to be a percy pig oh yeah yeah a percy pig do love a percy pig um if you don't know about percy pig he is basically the unofficial monarch of the uk he comes from MS, so he's quite posh yeah so MS is like our like one of our like big posh supermarket chains and like, like percy you go pig, there if you've got a bit of money got yeah a bit of money if you go and, to MS. And Percy Pig was literally just like, they've got loads of different sweets. They're all like Colin the Caterpillar, Percy Pig, blah, blah, blah. But for some reason, Percy Pig just became this like cult 
status like absolute icon and now like most of mns's marketing spend revolves around percy pig there is a whole tiktok account for mns that only posts percy pig content there is giant 10 offshoots of percy pig sweets including fizzy wigtails uh percy and his and i quote exotic friends which are safari animals, which we won't get into the naming of that. <laughs> yeah, there are giant Percy Pig stuffed toys. Like, if you walk into an M&S, like, it feels like you're walking into Percy Pig land that happens to have a supermarket attached to it. Yeah. It is bizarre. Yeah, so I would, it's like a cult. It is. I would order some Percy But I say Percy Pigs are pretty modern quintessential. Then if you want to go old quintessential, order some Werther's Originals. Yeah, I agree. Thanks for that question. That was cool. I that like when people ask. Question. No, I I love when people ask Harry Potter questions, but I like when people just ask. Random Basically, questions. we like being asked questions because we like talking about ourselves, which is why we started a podcast. <laughs> anyway, this episode was chaotic, especially considering the fact we have drunken alcohol, which relates in no way to what we've talked about. <laughs> it, it's fine. I like to think that we're like teasing and like amping up the intro of Luna. And also what we've cut out is the fact that because, oh God, guys, here's why podcasting is hard. Because we have to plan in the future when we have guests on and we do have guests coming up. Spoiler. So we have to tell them what chapters they're appearing on. But when this happens and we're suddenly like, oh no, this chapter is more than one episode. Now we have to rearrange with the guests what chapters they're studying. Brilliant. So that's good. good. So yeah. We're so good at podcasting. We're very professional. On that note. We're going to go. I feel like that Top Gear ending. And on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, no. Don't make me Jeremy Clarkson. I'll kill myself. <laughs> I'm James May. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons Vera, Veronica, Sandra, Samuel, Rhiannon, Natalib, Kristen, Katie, Catherine, Jacqueline, Harrison and Chantel. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon, where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind-the-scenes content, and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.